va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Lanza para poner por delante al Arsenal Alexis por el centro. La euforia en el Emirates. Los Gunners 2-1. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. A goodly morning to you, James. Goodly morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much indeed. I've got a cup of tea. Um, I just had a choco caramel from Lidl. It's one of their oh, knockoff, right. you know, one of their knockoff uh, sweets that they do. So rather than have mini Mars bars, they have these things called Titans. Because that's, nice. yeah, you know, all that. So I've had a mini choco caramel, which uh, from what I can uh, gather is like a, a fake Milky Way. Hmm. Okay. And how does it compare? I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's not quite a Milky Way, but I haven't had a Milky Way in so many years that I can't really remember. So, um, Lidl are capitalizing on that. Absolutely. On that ignorance. Absolutely. Actually, I, I have to say that their, their roar bars which, of course, are the equivalent of the lion bar. It's a lion? It's a lion. Yeah. Um, they, they, they don't quite stack up. They're a bit too sticky or something. They're one of those where when you eat one, you feel like a tooth could come out at any moment. You know that way? Sure, sure. I mean, this would be a quite a good quiz show, I think. People naming little chocolate bars, <laughs> and then the people have to guess what bar that's a take of. of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something in that. If anyone out there is listening in Teleland, you know, we'll do it for, for millions of pounds. Absolutely. But far be it from me to question your decisions and your judgment, but I don't know what time people are listening to this, but it's currently 11 a.m. Yeah. That's quite early to be eating a chocolate bar. Well, it was like I was up at uh, 20 past six this morning. Um, I got oh, out of bed enough. at 20 past six, got up, wrote the blog, had my breakfast uh, at about half past seven. So, and it was a small breakfast. This is kind of 11s is. Exactly. It is literally 11s that I just had before yeah. 11 o'clock. So we're sort of against the Trade Descriptions Act there, but in and around 11s, as, as uh, Andy Townsend might say. Okay. Well, that's forgiven. All's forgiven. Uh, well, look, if you're eating chocolate on a Monday morning, it suggests it's been a good weekend. And in football terms, it was a really fun weekend, wasn't it? I thought the FA Cup sort of sprung into life in an entertaining manner this weekend. I don't know how much you saw of it apart from our game. I saw our game. I saw the Liverpool game uh, against Wolves the other day. Yeah, Mug Smasher not too happy, I imagine. No, I, I don't know. Well, I guess not. I haven't really spoken to him uh, about it, but no, I can't imagine that he is. And yeah, I mean, look, the, the FA Cup is what it is these days because of the Champions League and because of the Premier League. It has... It has lost some of its luster, some of its sheen. I don't think there's anybody who would doubt mm. that. But, you know, I think if you're if you're brought up with the FA Cup and the FA Cup uh, successes that we've had down the years, it's very difficult to look at this competition as anything other than one that's that's really enjoyable, that means something to, uh, to the fans, means something to the club. We've won it more than anybody else. And it is... No question, third on the on the ladder of the trophies. But for me, it's still a uh, it's still a, a tournament I want us to do really well in. And I have to say that the ninety minutes that we played against Southampton at the weekend, I, I can't remember the last time I've enjoyed uh, a ninety minutes of a game quite as much. Um, you could go back to the Chelsea game, perhaps earlier in the season. Those were slightly different circumstances, but just the way we played. Uh, it, it was fantastic and perhaps 
if I could draw the analogy, you know when you go to a film and you think, oh, this is going to be a bit crap. This film is going to be a bit rubbish, you know, because it's got someone like, you know, you don't really like in it and you're going, mm, people said it's quite good, but no, I don't know. And then you're pleasantly surprised by the film and you go, wow, that was good. Uh, I feel much the same way about uh, the way we played on Saturday, that there was this, the expectation perhaps before the game when you looked at the team that was selected was like, mm, but it was so enjoyable. I, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, the, it felt ominous, I thought, when the team selection came out, particularly in that central midfield area mm. where it was, you know, three young players, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, the most experienced, but uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Jeffrey Adelaide, you know, very limited experience, particularly in those positions, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you thought that'd be trouble. But Southampton rotated heavily and it felt like their players who they brought in simply didn't step up whereas all of ours did and I think Arsene Wenger said it himself we go right through the team everybody in the 11 performed to be honest uh, you know there wasn't a, there wasn't a bad performance out there so it was great to watch and very comfortable much more comfortable than I expected it to be yeah I agree I thought they were going to give us much more of a game but when you looked at it even even when you looked at the the teams and Southampton obviously had played in midweek they played against uh, Liverpool to get to the League Cup final uh, the schedule is such that I don't think he had any choice but to rotate his squad a little bit because everyone's got Premier League games this week. So you can understand why managers did it. You can understand why the Liverpool manager did it. You know, Klopp uh, rotated uh, for his game against Wolves, not simply because it was Wolves, but because they've got to play Chelsea uh, tomorrow night or Wednesday night, whenever it is. So, you know, it's it's that has played a part in it. So mm-hmm. on the one hand, people will say, yes, it was a Southampton team that wasn't the strongest Southampton team they could put out. But in mitigation, it wasn't the strongest team we could put out. You mentioned the midfield three, uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, who, who doesn't play there very often, but when he does, seems to play very well. We might touch on that in a while. Uh, Maitland-Niles and, and the Jeff in there too. Uh, we have a 20-year-old centre-half playing seventh or eighth game for the club. Danny Welbeck, a guy who's been out for since last April, so you're looking at nine months uh, on the sidelines, more or less, uh, starting his first game. Theo Walcott back after a month out. Lucas Perez, you know, it was a long way from Arsenal's first team as well, and it was hugely encouraging to see the way we played. Yeah, massively so, massively so. And I guess the good news is that, you know, uh, the gamble paid off. When I saw that team, I thought, well, he's, he's taking some risks there, leaving Ramsey out, leaving Cochrane out. Um, Do you understand why he did that? Yeah, I, I do, because they're the only f- sort of fit senior central midfielders. I mean, people will say Oxlade-Chamberlain's now put himself in contention in that area of the park with his performance. But prior to that, they're the only two under consideration. So mm. I, I, I do I do understand it, but I thought it was a, certainly a risk, but one that paid dividends. I mean, Arsene Wenger called it perfectly, you know, prior to the game. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it played out brilliantly. So, I, I, I mean, look... It was a great win and uh, a competition that served us very, very well, let's not forget. Probably still our most realistic chance of a trophy this season too. So uh, very glad to still be in it. Yeah, all right. So look, let's start with the uh, with the man who made a huge impact on his return, uh, playing his or getting his first start since last April since he injured himself against Manchester City. Danny Welbeck, I know you're a big, big fan of, of, mm. uh, of Danny Welbeck. Uh, I, I think you could if he played 
for another couple of weeks and still been a little bit rusty, you could understand that and you could forgive that, I guess, to an extent forgive is the wrong word, but, you know, uh, you could mitigate some some parts of his performances on the basis that he's been out for, for so long. But the first goal, and I have to say here, Lucas Perez, that flick from him oh, yeah. was absolutely superb. But what I liked most about the whole thing was that Welbeck was entirely on the same wavelength that he could see mm. what he was going to do. That, that I think that's really that was a really interesting thing for me, that he wasn't a guy who was caught on his heels. He anticipated where Lucas was going to put the ball uh, and went for it. So, I mean, an absolutely brilliant pass. But what a finish. What a finish, yeah. you know. Crazy. I mean, I, to be honest, it was one of those where the first time I saw it, I almost wondered if the defender had nicked it away from him because he, he flicked it out of his feet so quickly just as the goalkeeper was coming mm. in it was a really really smart finish and I think you're right I mean a bit of rustiness is surely to be expected after that long out this is a guy who hasn't played any sort of under 23 football you know he's been thrown straight in with the senior team really a few substitute appearances mm. but he does seem to have this capacity to despite these long long layoffs come back almost at speed you know you think of last season he he scored the goal against Leicester and then was very quickly in the side so uh, that's a huge benefit I mean obviously it doesn't make up for, for the pain of being out for that long but I was so happy for him to score that goal because it, it, it must have filled him with confidence and I guess that was evident uh, in the second goal, which he took very, very well. And if you're going to talk about that Perez pass, you need to talk about the pass from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on that one because mm. it was a superb pick out from deep. Yeah, sure was. I mean, his range of passing from midfield was was really brilliant. Uh, mm. It was, before we talk, I mean, we might as well talk about Oxlade-Chamberlain now that we've got him uh, on the agenda here. It was a, it was an absolutely brilliant performance. And he's a, he's a, he's a player about who you... You can't help but have some doubts, you know. Um, consistency is something that he struggles with, and I think he may well still struggle with. And you can use the mitigation of Southampton being weak and, and whatever. That's fine. But let's look at this performance in isolation. And it was a truly exceptional midfield performance from a guy. I can't remember the last time he's played there. When was the last time he was picked from the start in central midfield? Honestly, I can't remember. Two either. years? I can't remember either. Uh, there was the game a f- couple of years ago where he scored a couple of goals from central midfield, or a goal. Uh, Palace? Um, yeah. Mm. I, I, I don't remember it happening since then, to be yeah. honest, but maybe it's just slipped under the radar. But he, he, he's barely been considered in, in that position. Yeah, I mean, people were pointing out to me on Twitter uh, <laughs> after the game, apparently, I could, you know, I tend to forget stuff very easily, but this is something that we discussed either on the last Arscast Extra or the one previously as to whether or not Oxlade-Chamberlain was an option there. And I seem to be... Um, saying that no he he really wasn't i'm <laughs> i'm yeah. i'm a little bit more convinced that he could be now after seeing him do that i mean it, it it was brilliant you know not just his passing not just his creativity but he was actually really switched on defensively both him and maitland niles in that regard were were really switched on um and yeah the pass for for welbeck was fantastic the touch from welbeck maybe not 100% but the way he reacted then to just put it through the goalkeeper's legs and what i especially liked about this goal was the defense sliding in to try and stop it and then just hitting the hitting the post with a massive clang I, I love yeah, that I, I thought both goals to be honest were improved by the woodwork Welbeck's first <laughs> clipped in off the top of the crossbar yeah. uh, which always improves a goal second one as you say defender straight into the post which was a, you know a bit of slapstick 
a little bit of added fun, I guess, yeah. for the Arsenal fans. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain was a, a revelation, really. I mean, you know, you could talk and talk about that performance. And I was looking back, and Arsene Wenger, it is something he's talked about, isn't it? Time mm. and time again, about his future potentially being in that position. Um, in 2014, he, he described him as a similar type of player to Aaron Ramsey and said he has a good long ball, penetration from deep and a good quality to distribute and penetrate individually. Certainly, he has the same qualities as Steven Gerrard. Steven um, Gerrard, blimey. Yeah, there you go. Quite mm. a comparison. Well, I mean, he's got a different hairline, but other than that. <laughs> he did talk about him today. He was asked about uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain today at his press conference and he said, uh, I think he's a good flank player and a good central player player, but the future, personally, I would say is more central than on the flank. Um, And we know he likes to play younger players wide to give them their experience in the team before he moves them central. He's done it, you know, uh, uh, throughout his Arsenal career uh, or his time at the club. Um, And then he said, when I look back at all the games he's played central, many of them he's done very well. So it's almost like, okay, there could be something going on here with Oxlade Chamberlain when he's played when he's played in the centre. So it might it might be a case that that performance has gone some way to convincing Arsene Wenger that he is another option for that position as and when we might need him. Well, I, I also think when you look at what Welbeck, what Perez, what Walcott did, that there's a lot of options on the flanks right now. You know, so mm. it might not be the worst thing for Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, especially with. Mohamed El Nenny picking up a, an injury with Egypt. We don't know how bad that was, but he missed their game yesterday. Yeah, uh, don't know how long he'll be out. So there might be some game time for him there in the middle of the park. Yeah, sure. Along with those suspensions, and you would you would be a bit more confident uh, about him being able to perform there. And and you you've got to say, okay, look, it's going to be much more difficult to play like that against Chelsea, for example, than it was mm-hmm. against Southampton in, in the FA Cup. But you know, I I, th- I don't think you can really take anything away from him. Um, I suppose we should talk a little bit about Ainsley Maitland-Niles as well, seeing as we're on the, the central midfield thing. We'll get back to the goals in a minute. That was a really, really mature performance from him. I agree. I mean, he's been very highly rated by Arsene Wenger for quite a long time. And, you know, he's spent some time on loan with Ipswich, playing primarily as a winger. But whenever he's been with the academy side, they've tended to use him as a holding midfield player. And you can see why, because he's actually, you know, his speed, which was such an asset on the wing, is very useful in the middle of the park. I mean, Mm. almost reminiscent of, you know, Kante or something like that, the way he's able to quickly close people down, take the ball, kept it relatively simple, but showed a good range of passing. Uh, I thought, well, this was certainly his best performance in the senior side yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's played right back a few times, but he's another one who looks more at home uh, in the centre of the park. Yeah. He's a really, he's quite a serious looking dude as well, isn't he? Yeah. 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 He's very serious looking. Like, um, you know, the way sometimes you can see a kid and they could be five or six years of age and you can look at them and you can see their face. You can see exactly how they're going to look at 60 or 70 years of age. He, Mm. he's got that kind of a, that kind of a face, I think. So, you know what he's going to look like as an old man. But the other thing, he, he sort of has this, I don't necessarily believe in reincarnation, but sometimes you can see somebody and go, that dude has lived a hundred lives. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is that kind of dude for me. He's just so serious looking. Um, It's fantastic. I, I, I enjoy it. He's sort of like a, 
he's sort of like the yin to Iwobi's yang. You know the way Iwobi is so expressive and freeform and Maitland-Niles is, is quite the opposite, but it was fantastic to see him play the way he did. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the fact that for you know for the last few years, quite a lot of the time he's sported a moustache probably helps give him that kind of timeless feel. Yeah, uh, but he, <laughs> he, he 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 like he doesn't look nineteen, does he? I mean, honestly, so there is a, a maturity about his appearance, but there was a maturity about the way he played too. So yeah, uh, yeah he deserves a lot of credit. I mean. Uh, sooner or later, we are going to have to mention Theo Walcott. A guy scores a hat-trick against his former club. He must be wondering what he's got to do to be on the podcast. But it was a, a sort of classic Theo performance, wasn't it? He was sort of seemingly not in the game for long spells, but pretty lethal when the chances came. Yeah, absolutely. He was there. I mean, I really liked the, the first goal that he scored because you wouldn't necessarily say aggression in the penalty area is the thing that... that uh, defines Theo Walcott, right? He's sure. there, he can finish, we know that, we know he's got the pace, etc., etc. And he he had the desire just to get there and be strong and poke his, uh, poke his foot around the defender who was very static, who was waiting for the ball to, to come to him. Um, it was really, really clever forward play. You know, it was... It was great to see him score that goal. And again, Lucas Perez, Danny Welbeck involved in in the build-up. Um, there was just such fluidity to the way that we made those chances and got in behind the Southampton defence. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I actually think, um, you know, when Welbeck started on the left, I was a little bit surprised because I thought he'd be through the middle for most of the game. But playing Lucas centrally... I mean, I think they switched it round in the second half. But in that first half, he was such an intelligent fulcrum for our attacking play. Mm. And, you know, I mean, obviously the the, the sort of headline coming out of the game is the sheer wealth of attacking options Arsene Wenger's got at his disposal now. I know that you talked in your blog this morning about the old days when we had Canu, Wiltord, but in terms of pure numbers... We might have even more than that now. If you think we weren't, didn't have Alexis, didn't have Ozil, didn't have Giroud. Uh, I mean, it's it's Iwobi came off the bench too. The the combinations are incredible, really. And and what's nice is that you can see understandings developing between players who might not necessarily even be first choices. You talk about Welbeck and Perez; they seem to click mm. almost instantly, and that's really encouraging uh, moving forward. It gives Arsenal Mega loads of loads of options. Do, do you think that's something to do with Welbeck? Because he's he strikes me as the kind of player. Not that it's easy to play with, but who manages to click with everybody? Because you think when Alex Iwobi came into the team mm-hmm. last year, he and he and Alexis really found each other's uh, wavelength very quickly. Um, and I know we've been a bit, I guess, a bit unlucky, and Welbeck has been a bit unlucky with his injuries that we haven't really been able to see enough of him with everyone else to know whether or not that's just down to to Welbeck's quality and how easy it is to to play with him. But maybe he's the common denominator there. Yeah, he could well be. I mean, certainly if you look at his career, he's been used by a variety of managers in a variety of roles and generally his performances haven't dipped below a certain standard. So, yeah, that that could be the thing. I mean, Arsene Wenger's always been a massive fan and he, you know, when you look at the amount of minutes he tends to get under Arsene and mm. shows his faith in him. So it'll be really interesting to see what part he plays moving forward. I think with the the, the fixtures we've got coming up this week, they're so crucial in the league. They might be a bit much, a bit intense for a player who's not got that level of fitness yet. But uh, yeah, we shall see. There's still a long way to go in the season. So uh, lots to contribute. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so look, Danny Welbeck lasted about an hour, which is what you would expect. 
you, you've got to be. Well, I mean, you've got to be. You've got to be cautious, right? With a guy coming. Oh no, I'm only him. laughing because I can. Th- I'm thinking of uh, the man who came on, Alexis, and my <laughs> my sort of consternation at the time. Like, oh my god, here we go. What's this going to be? But um, I guess, I guess Southampton was so kind of insipid by that point that there was a, there was relatively low risk. Is that fair to say? I think so. But I think you you said something a few weeks back about Alexis that. He he is probably at his best when he keeps playing. So when the machine yeah. keeps going, you know, when the when the wheels are turning, um, it's probably not a bad idea to just give him that half an hour to keep him to keep him moving, you know, to keep his his flow, his rhythm, and everything else. And obviously, he would want to play. And when you are taking Danny Welbeck off, you know, you could be conservative and do do what? Put on Carl Jenkinson and push Bellerin forward or or something like that. But, you know, why not mm. stick Alexis on? And he made a, a great contribution straight away, um, setting up two goals for, for Theo Walcott. So two assists um, and, a, you know, a, a really great cameo from him as well. Yeah, really, really good. And, and, you know, he does seem a guy who's quite into his stats, doesn't he? I feel like, you, did you see those quotes from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain <laughs> saying how Alexis had had a go at him for not scoring in stoppage time after a pass? You know, so he'll be delighted to have racked up another two assists. Mm. Um I mean, he's got plenty of those these se- this season, hasn't he? I mean, we talk about him as our top goal scorer, joint top goal scorer in the Premier League, but he seems to have created almost as many. So, yeah, just an extraordinary campaign he's having. I think he's got eleven assists. Um, oui. Yeah, which is really good. And if people haven't seen the the Oxley Chamberlain story, um, this is what <laughs> this is what he had to say. I'm just uh, getting it up here. Taking you can find it on Ask Blog News, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, it gives an insight into. I guess the relentless desire of Alexis and you know we see him have a go at his teammates on the pitch but uh, as as you'll soon hear he, he'll ha- he's happily to do it in the in the dressing room as well. Yeah, so Oxley Chamberlain says the number of times we've come off the pitch and won but he's still not happy. The Crystal Palace game for example, we won 2-0 and right at the end he passed to me, I shot and Wayne Hennessy saved it. The boys were all happy in the dressing room, but Alexis came up to me in the shower and said, "My friend, are you going to score? Oh my friend, I passed you the ball, you have a cup of tea, you wait." And then you shoot. (laughs) And when you look back at the clip, he actually just took a touch, took a left-footed shot, which was going in the bottom corner, and Wayne Hennessy made uh, quite a decent save, it has to be said. It was much more a good save than a bad miss. Oh, yeah. I I made a point of going back and going to uh, Arsenalist and looking at the clip. And, I mean, he gets the (laughs) shot away pretty much as quick as he can. Yeah. Uh, But I remember at the time, Alexis, you know, throwing his arms out in frustration no, couldn't believe God. it I know <laughs> I know he doesn't yeah when he misses a chance he doesn't berate himself quite as much but you know no. <laughs> that's Alexis for you I guess yeah that's exactly uh, it but you know I was nervous when he came on but we got away with it I mean what did you I guess all the, the substitutions were being fed to Steve Bold weren't they via Arsene's uh, headset that he was wearing up in yeah, the stands. Yeah, I mean, he can communicate with the bench. Neil Banfield was wearing an earpiece. Arsene Wenger had an earpiece, so I guess he had some kind of microphone as well. So ultimately, it would have been his decision to make the substitutions, I guess. Um, it would have been great if it wasn't. And as Alexis was coming on, Arsene was just standing up and screaming, you know, no! trying to get Steve by attention. Yeah, what are you doing, Steve? <laughs> He's gone rogue. He's trying to make an impression on the sidelines. Uh, <laughs> 
But I mean, what sort of punishment is that really? I mean, as far as I can work out, what Arson got is basically a, a better view. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm not sure. I mean, obviously we got the positive result, so it feels fine. But I, it, you know, we haven't spoken about the ban. I mean, what did you make of that four games? Uh, I, I thought four games was fine. Even though, you know, the precedent had been set with Alan Pardew, right? Um, and that was a two-game ban for pushing a, a linesman during a game, so in full view of the stadium. And that was probably a little bit, uh, that was probably a little bit lenient. Uh, I think four mm. games, even if we take everything into account, I don't think we can have any complaints about it. But what I do think, and it's something I wrote about the other day, is that it, it really calls into focus the whole FA disciplinary system, which... Uh, is something that has been a bugbear of mine for years, that the equivalence between certain misdemeanors or uh, misbehaviors, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. So you look at John Terry, who got four games for being racist, to Anton Ferdinand, and Arsene Wenger, his little coming together with the referee, I think there has to be an example set there, you know, for referees up and down the country. Um, it, it's important that they're protected. It's important that the integrity of the referees is protected, even if we don't agree with them or the standard of their officiating. But uh, it just brings everything else into focus that how is it possible that you can get the same ban for, for that and the same ban for being racist? I, I don't understand it. So on that, yeah. ba- you know, on the basis of the the ban alone, yeah, it's fine. And like you say, it it doesn't seem to be any kind of punishment, other than a very uh, what's the word perfunctory one in the sense that he can't be with his coaching staff and he's not necessarily as in the game as he would like to be, as most managers want to be on the sidelines. Instead, as you say, he gets a better view from a heated seat. Um, you know, nice, uh, nice cup of tea at halftime or whatever, Mr. Kipling, and uh, he can still manage, um, if not quite as hands-on. Is he allowed in the dressing room at any point before, during, or after I the game? I think so. Know? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. I think he is because he certainly took off um, down to the dressing room towards the end of the Early, game and maybe for yeah. half time as well you know um, whether he's allowed direct contact I'm not a, not 100% sure but I don't I didn't read anything to say that he couldn't go into the dressing room at half time so it's it, yeah. I mean there are some managers who prefer to sit up in the stands aren't there you know out of choice in the first half of games and what have you mm. um, I, I yeah look I, I think the whole I don't know but like someone's cutting down a tree or something outside so I apologise <laughs> for that but um, I think uh, the whole you know system of suspension is a bit screwed up as you say you know Arsene Wenger got four games same as John Terry got for that incident which is the same as Granit Xhaka got you know for, yeah uh, exactly you know, so it's, it's ludicrous really but um, I do think he had to be punished and I think it feels it feels about right it was interesting there were people reacting saying it's not enough and people reacting saying it's it's too much I guess I sit in the middle you know I think it's yeah. kind of fine and I'm glad it wasn't a stadium ban I think that would be more awkward to negotiate. Well, certainly, and I think uh, that would have been over the top as well. You know, I, I I never quite understood the people beyond the hysterical idiots who were screaming for ten game bans and for for Arsene Wenger to be made referee ten matches on Hackney Marshes. You know, on Sunday <laughs> League. I mean, for fuck's sake, have a little bit of uh, 
have a little bit of common sense. You know, if you want to address yeah. a serious issue, address it in a serious way and not in a, a really stupid clickbait headline grabbing way. Um, you know, those people who think he got away with something you know, by the by the standards set by the FA and the previous band they handed to Alan Pardew, that's completely and utterly incorrect. Um mm. So I mean, talk about the wider issue and talk about it, but don't be don't be stupid and make up ridiculous ideas um, like refing Sunday league games. You know, it's just beggar's belief. Yeah, uh, well, I've, I certainly agree with you there. And look, we we didn't suffer for it, so uh, all's well so far. I mean, mm. it'll be interesting, obviously. Stanford Bridge, him not being on the touchline there. It'll be interesting to see how how that influences our performance. But this shows, you know. The team can perform without him there, and that gives us confidence, I guess, yep. uh, for the remainder of this this four game run. Yeah. Uh, what else to say? I mean, we did, uh, Walcott. Yeah, he scored a couple more goals. Um, I, I, what did you make of David Espina at the back? Some really good moments <laughs> and some slightly hairy ones. I thought <laughs> there was a bit where. Uh, about 25 minutes in wasn't there where he, he sort of came out of his goal and almost got caught out but you know that's he our game he was keen to be involved yeah <laughs> <laughs> he he was keen to be involved in the game he um, certainly was so that that was interesting I thought uh, other players who haven't had a mention Rob Holding very assured at the back as he tends to be uh, I think that's a good point and when you consider who he was playing against Shane Long, who is a oh, very, yeah. a very difficult player to to play against, um, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, he looks a really calm, assured player, doesn't he? For a guy who's only twenty years of age, and he's only um, he's only played seven or eight games for us. Uh, I thought I thought he was excellent. All right, yeah, yeah. I thought he, uh, what's what's most amazing is that he he never feels like a championship player I, I know that m- might seem obvious but mm. it never there never seemed to be a step up for him he just seemed to you know immediately take to top flight football yeah uh, and that's pretty amazing he was, he was pretty much the same on his Champions League debut as well apart from that one uh, aberration at the end so mm. yeah I, I, I really like Rob Holding I must say and he's a he's a player who's probably not the quickest but you never notice and I think that's a great compliment to him. Yeah. Uh, in terms of his positioning and other elements of his game, his, mm. his his lack of speed, which is never ever remotely exposed. So, well, you maybe know, he's just really deceptively quick. I maybe, maybe he is. But I mean, I think that's look. Having pace at centre half is is great. And you look at somebody like Lauren Koscielny, who uses his pace in a in a fantastic way as a defender. Uh, but you go down through the years and you look at centre halves who haven't been uh, as quick as Koscielny is, and they've still been fantastic defenders. So it's not a prerequisite. So, you know, I, I do like the look of him. But as with uh, as with centre halves of days gone by, I'm not uh, I'm not chucking my eggs in the holding basket just yet. You know, I don't want to I don't want to jinx him or anything. So. Sure, sure, sure. We've been here before many times. (laughs) Um, So the the FA Cup fifth round draw takes place later tonight. So we can play. We're ball number six. um, And we can either play Tottenham Hotspur, Derby County or Leicester City, Oxford United, Sutton United, Wolves, Lincoln City, Chelsea, Manchester United, Millwall, Huddersfield Town, Burnley, Blackburn Rovers, Fulham, Middlesbrough or Manchester City. So there's the possibility of a relatively comfortable tie uh, along with some very tricky ones as well. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? I mean, look, I 
uh, I, I I have a slightly ominous feeling about this draw. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, there's some big teams in there who I would dearly love to avoid. I mean, we can't complain because uh, we, in the past couple of years in the Cup, we've had a lot of home draws. Um, but... This year we've been on the road a couple of times and, and fared well, so a home draw at least would be nice. That's what I've got my fingers crossed for, home time. Well, yeah, look, but I mean, you think down the years, the first year we won the FA Cup, or the first year, but the 2014, wow, what are they doing to that tree? Um, I think it's torture. The tree knows something and they're, yeah. they're desperate to find it out. They're <laughs> going to go to any lengths necessary. Sure, torture works. Uh, but we, we, did beat, uh, we did beat Tottenham. In the third round, I think we beat Everton and we beat Liverpool uh, to get us to that uh, semi-final and uh, what have you against uh, Wigan and then the final against Hull City. So look, you know, we've beaten big teams down the years in the FA Cup. Um, So we'll see. Just look at the draw, I guess. Exactly. It's a waiting game. Look at the completely... I mean, you might know by the time you're listening. Yeah. Could be a, the, the look of the completely fixed draw, of course. Yeah. You want to be a conspiracy <laughs> theorist, but but we don't. But look, um, will we take a short break? Because we, we can discuss a little bit about Watford. No doubt there's a question or two about the Watford game tomorrow night. Uh, we'll do that in part two. Sure. That'd be great. All right. We'll take a short break. We're back right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog and also on the ArsBlog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the ArsBlog. So uh, do check that out. Give it a like if you uh, if you haven't already. We're going to start, James, with a question from Dr. Chaos. Ooh, scary. Hang on, Michelle. let me see if I can do this. Doctor, Doctor, no, my my special effects aren't working. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was going Doctor Chaos. Dun, dun, dun. Doctor Chaos. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> but he wants to know, and he is at Doctor Chaos underscore on Twitter. Who would you start up front against Watford? Satchel, Group, or Welbeck? <laughs> his autocorrect okay. went a bit mad there so I assume he means Sanchez Giroud or Welbeck <laughs> that's a shame because Satchel and Group sound like quite the duo <laughs> yeah. uh, if I had Ozil behind Satchel and Group oh. um, Satchel, Group I... and Welbeck sounds like a, a folk trio from the 1970s doesn't it yeah and now ladies and gentlemen Satchel Group and Welbeck with their <laughs> Here to play their latest song, My Dangleberries Are Made of Real Hemp. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> With a ukulele. Um, I, who would I play out front against Watford? Ooh. Uh, I would play... Uh, ooh, I'd probably... Do you know ooh, what? I'd what? Pro- ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, that was a ghost briefly appeared on the podcast. <laughs> I would change it entirely, I think. I think... I would play Olivier Giroud. <gasps> yeah, him. Remember him? Alexis Sanchez. Ooh. 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 And the ghost <laughs> of Cliff Bastard. No, I would play... Um, I was going to say Alex Awobi. I was going to say Alex Awobi, but actually I might change my answer. I might change it to Alex Awobi on the left, Alexis Sanchez up front, 
and somebody else on the right. That is not uh, very decisive of you, James. Somebody else. Okay. Come on. Uh, I would play. I might play. Oh, I can't decide. We've too many players. We've too many players. Well, the thing is, maybe I'd play Lucas Perez on the right. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I think I want to play Theo Walcott against Chelsea. Let's mm. put it like that. I think I want to play Theo Walcott against Chelsea. But I'm having just come back from injury, I was a bit surprised he started against Southampton. I know he'd been in training for a week, but I think three games in a week might be a bit much for Theo. So I probably wouldn't start him on the right. I probably wouldn't put Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right because, you know, we've decided he's a central midfielder now. Mm. Um and my thinking with playing Alexis through the middle is I think that's what I want to play at Chelsea so that needs to be kind of bedded in almost I feel Mm. like we need to get back to you know how we play with Alexis up top so I think I'd go Alexis Iwobi and Lucas because I think Welbeck and Walcott for Arsenal to start another game it's probably a little bit too demanding, you know, with their with their fitness issues. So, what what would you go? What do you make of that? And what would you go? I think that sounds quite good to me. It sounds quite good. I have a suspicion that it's gonna be Giroud. I think he's gonna give Giroud a game because I'm not sure he's gonna play Giroud against Chelsea. Um, so it'll be Giroud, Alexis, and one other, which could be a Wobi, could be. Lucas Perez, I would really like to see Lucas Perez get a bit more game time. I think he's a really, really smart player who looks like he can always contribute something. I, I was a bit uh, gutted for him that he didn't take that chance late in the game, you know, Same. to get himself on the score sheet uh, because he'd been so good. And that pass for the fifth goal from deep, he just played a pass from uh, well into our own half. Uh, set Alexis free down the left-hand side. Uh, you could see Alexis going, oh, it's on for me. And then he was crowded out a bit. Uh, Walcott made the run and, and the pass was perfect for him. But it, it started with a brilliant ball from Lucas Perez. Um, mm. So I think considering that we do have Chelsea on Sunday, that we do perhaps want to keep things as fresh as possible for that, I, I would be inclined to to do something like I would like to see Alexis up front. So I'm going to go Alexis Iwobi, Lucas Perez as well, uh, with Mesut Ozil in behind. And then I think if you've got a week where you can get players... You see, I don't think he could play Welbeck from the start against Chelsea. Could he? Could he? No. I mean, Eamon McGurk (laughs) uh, asked the question, should we start with the front three of Alexis, Welbeck and Theo versus Chelsea? And if not... Why not? Um, yeah, because because Welbeck is is just back from injury. I mean, it, it really is a tasty front three. Alexis Welbeck, Iwobi is nice. Alexis Welbeck, Lucas Perez is really nice. Um, and you sort of feel a little bit bad because of the contribution Olivier Giroud has made over the last uh, few weeks. And you don't really include him in that. I mean, can we draw anything from the fact that he didn't play and we looked sharper from the start? We spoke about it last week that perhaps, I mean, look, it seems harsh to to, to pin our slow starts on, on him, but maybe it's to do with how the team plays with that kind of a striker rather than, than Giroud in particular. Um, yeah, I, I think we look better when we have three 
pacey mobile players up there. Mm. You know, I, I think that's been true all season long. I think Giroud individually has done brilliantly at times, but I think sort of structurally we're better that way. I mean, w- what would you be thinking for Chelsea? Would you be thinking, uh, what, uh, Alexis? See, for me, Alexis and Walcott work very well together. I, yeah. I think they tend to combine really, really well and seem to, I don't know, they pose a kind of twin threat. I guess it's that thing of Walcott takes up those central positions when Alexis drifts, so they dovetail very yeah. well. So th- those two would be givens for me. And then I, I guess, would you, I would guess you, I'd would. Yeah. Go on. No, I was going to ask, would you have any, would you have any concerns about Walcott defensively against Chelsea? There was a moment, actually, in the, probably the first half, I think, where the ball almost broke for a Southampton guy around the penalty spot. And from from nowhere, there was Theo Walcott to clear the ball. And I was like, what? That's not where Theo Walcott lives. That's not what he does. Where, where why why I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it I did I liked it so maybe there's a bit more focus from him on on his defensive work well also you know Chelsea play with that wing back system and if if we use wide attackers who are going to get forward maybe we can pin back uh you know those wing wing backs which which might be vital in helping to win the midfield battle so mm. I I think it's you know, I think it's a delicate one, but I think Walcott has got a pretty decent record against Chelsea. I remember a few memorable goals he scored against them. Um, and I think he will play. I think Alexis will play. And then I think it probably would be a Wobi. It's mm. very tempting, isn't it, to play Danny Welbeck? But Wobi's, uh, you know, has some similar attributes, actually. And, uh, oh, what? Hang on. I've just got, uh, there's somebody at the door who needs me to sign something. So I'll, I'll be back in ah. one second. Hang on. An autograph hunter. Yes. Okay. Right, I'm back. Hello. Hello. What, what went on? Well, what went on was uh, about, it. I, I guess, probably 18 months ago, I was uh, sitting at home one night, probably having had a couple of beers or a couple of bourbons or something, and I came across a video for this thing, an electronic device made by a company called Navdi, N-A-V... Yeah, N-A-V-D-Y, right? And it's this thing. It, it sort of goes on the dashboard of your car. So it, it sort of displays maps and stuff. And it's not quite a hologram, but it's sort of there right in front of you. So you don't have to sort of look at your phone. It's almost like a GPS thing, but it connects to your phone. and It's like a mini projector onto the windscreen. Right? Yeah, exactly. Kind exactly. Of. That yeah. kind of thing. So quite drunkenly, I ordered one. Um, (laughs) and this is like the very, they were just sort of raising money to get these things together. So I'd forgotten completely about it until last week when they said, oh, your thing is shipping. Uh, so they've shipped the thing and UPS, the UPS man just arrived and I had to pay a load of duty on it (laughs) because it's come, it's come from the U S so I just had to write him a check for 94 euros. 
So there wow, you go. Wow, this has been an expensive podcast today. I was speculating uh, while you were gone that the, the, you had received delivery of the Audis we were promised. <laughs> we're talking about Audis on the show. Damn in it. fact, you've lost 94 euros. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. No Audis. Um, 94 euros, Dan. And what were we talking about? Alex Iwobi or the front three? I said that Alex Iwobi could play on the left against Chelsea because I didn't think that Danny Welbeck would be mm. ready. I think that's reasonable. But, you know, you look at what we've got coming in, coming off the bench then. It is very promising, isn't it, to, to have all those options and to have these guys. They're not just Diawaras or Reyes or Fabian Caballeros. These are guys who can actually score goals and make an impact on games. Um, yeah. So I think things are going to heat up a little bit over the next over the next month or six weeks. Obviously, uh, next weekend's game against Chelsea will be hugely defining for the season. But when you look at the Champions League coming up, um, the, the little bit of fixture congestion we're going to get because the Southampton game has been postponed. Um, they, they, they've yet to decide when that game is going to be played. But, um, you know, we're going to need these guys. And, uh, you know, to, to be able to sit here and think about any number of combinations that sounds good and effective is really fantastic. Yeah, Arsavenga said uh, this morning's press conference, we have huge offensive potential, like a like a Piers Morgan tweet. Uh, so, <laughs> there you go. Um, what, should we have another question? Yeah, let's. Let's have another question. Okay. Um, well, I, I like this one from... Uh, Tortoise, 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 tortoise Murray. I really struggled with that animal there mm. uh, on Twitter. It said, "Have we ever had as quiet and content a January transfer window? No real clamouring for any new signings and deadline day tomorrow." Yeah, yeah. It it feels like it's been a long time since we haven't had a transfer window where people have been going, "We must buy somebody. We're short here. Mm. We're short there. We need this. We need that." And while there is a little bit of an issue in the centre of midfield where Jacques is suspended and El Neni away and Cazorla injured, even that hasn't really prompted anybody uh, into believing that we really do, do need to go out and, and buy anybody. It, we don't need players. That's the thing. Um, so I can't remember a transfer window as quiet. And I don't think just from an Arsenal point of view, though, if you think about it... Um, there really hasn't been much going on at all, bar the drama with Payet, for example, in West Ham uh, and Marseille and everything else. But there really hasn't been anything high profile happening at any club, has there? No, I mean, honestly not. I mean, BBC are leading with the news that Patrick Van Anholt has become the second expensive left-back to join Crystal Palace in his transfer window. But, I mean... Uh, there's, there's nothing nothing doing, really. Mm. Uh, and it, it's actually been, I have to say, you know, we all love a, a good transfer story, but it's been very nice to be out of the fray. I bet Arsene Wenger's absolutely loved it. You know, he, he, mm. he loathes facing all those questions about transfers and he seems always reluctant to enter into the window. He doesn't really agree with it. Um, so, yeah, it's been... It's been bliss, to be honest, to, to not be part of the scrap. I guess the consequence of that is that what we know is that we have a squad that is good enough, really, that that excuse is gone. It's all about what they can deliver on the pitch now because the players, and we're talking about those forward options, you know, the, the, the players that we have now are terrific. The options that we have are amazing. So we just need to get the results to match. Okay, well, uh, Evan Schwartzstrauber at Sir Evan wants to know, should Arsene Wenger stop saying uh, players like Welbeck give us depth until they can stay healthy for longer? Hmm. Um, 
Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I think that's a little harsh, really. I mean, I think Welbeck, uh, maybe he's a, a special case because he has been particularly uh, prone to injury in his time with Arsenal. Well, he suffered two very big injuries. Um, mm. The degree to which they were related, I don't actually know, to be honest with you. But um, I, I still think that... You know, when you look at the injury problems with at the squad generally, I think they have really, really improved over the past couple of years. And I don't know if that's because we've dispensed with some of the players who were most vulnerable yeah. to injuries, um, or if it's because of changes behind the scenes. Uh, I do think that we do have true depth now. And even in central midfield, you know, we're without Elneny, uh, Xhaka, Cazorla... And to have two players, the quality of Ramsey and Cockland there, mm. with the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain, Maitland-Niles, um, and you think of the players out on loan, you know, Callum Chambers can play there, Jack Wilshire can play there. This is the richest uh, Arsenal squad in terms of talent we've had, I think, certainly in the, since we moved to the Emirates Stadium. Yeah. And uh, would you agree with that? Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think over the last couple of years the the gaps in the squad have been filled in to a certain extent you know the the, mm. the areas where we were really short or where we did have issues have been addressed um and, and you you look across i mean i think the only thing probably not now in the second half of the season because it doesn't look as if jenkinson is going to go anywhere and it probably doesn't look as if debushi is going to go anywhere so in in the very short term or between now and the end of this season defensively we're well set up We've got Per Mertesacker back on the bench, so he's he's uh, he's a, he's an option. Uh, Center has, you know, you've got Holding, Mertesacker, uh, Kasialny, Gabriel, and uh, Mustafi. So loads of depth there. Right back, you've got Bellerin. If you need to, you've got Debushi. If you need to, you've got Jenkinson. Gibbs and Monreal, well set up. Goalkeepers are fine. We did address the little issue with, with midfield, and that's certainly one that might be a little bit of a worry. But when everyone's available, ha-ha, we, you know, we've got the numbers there. And we've just spent the last 10, 15 minutes talking about how, uh, how much depth we have uh, in the forward lines. And now the challenge is blend that, blend that, make sure that this team keeps performing, that you can rotate, you can keep players fresh. Uh, you know, you've obviously got players who are going to be a bit more important than others, but, you know, it's a case that let's say, let's say tomorrow night uh, we're winning comfortably against Watford. If it's 3-0 uh, with, with a half an hour to go, well, then you take off Alexis Sanchez and you take off Mesut Ozil ahead of the game against Chelsea. You give somebody else half an hour to come on and give them a good run around, let them get into the game a bit and try and make an impact. And it's how well he, he deals with those situations uh, that will be uh, telling between now and the end of the season. Yeah, it's about keeping everybody fit, keeping everybody happy, mm. juggling those players um, and trying to maintain their form as well. You know, we talked about Alexis. Sometimes he's better when he's on a roll. If you've got a guy like Olivier Giroud who has been on a real roll, yeah. do you risk taking him out the side and interrupting that? It's it's a difficult it's a difficult decision for Arsene Wenger, but it's one he'll be sort of happy to have to make. You know, it's one of those sort of nice conundrums. Yeah. Um, Let's have another question. This is a bit of a forward-looking one from Vanig Bostanian. That's a great name, isn't it? Vanig Bostanian on Facebook. And they ask, talent alone is not enough to succeed at the top level. Who among all the youngsters that impressed on Saturday has the best chance to make it with Arsenal? Holding, Jeff, 
Niles. And we didn't chat about Jeff too much, actually. He, he was excellent as well, I thought. Yeah, you know, there, there were a couple of moments when the Jeff took the ball through midfield, just did that thing. I think you know the thing I'm going to say here, mm. where it looks like it's a 50-50, but he gets a leg and just tips the ball beyond the, uh, the opponent, runs past him. Uh, I don't want to overstate things, but to me, that was something we used to see Patrick Vieira do. And probably it has something to do with the, the physique that he has. You know, he's a tall guy. He's got long legs. He's quite quick. He can move over the ground. There was just really nice moments like that. He, he was very mature as well. If we're going to praise the maturity of Maitland-Niles, uh, the Jeff was as well. You know, there was real calm and control to his... Uh, to his play. And, you know, it does get overlooked. While people get frustrated with Arsene Wenger, and understandably so at times, and I can understand, um, you know, that point of view, it's fantastic to see this next generation of young players come up and they don't look out of place. You know, I think he deserves credit for that. Uh, for all the criticism that he does get, I think he deserves credit for A, identifying these players and B, being brave enough to give them chances. You know, playing Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and the Jeff as a midfield trio at a ground where you haven't won since 2003, it was a risk. But one he was prepared to take and he put his faith in the players and they rewarded him. So, you know, I think these guys, it, it can go either way because of circumstances. They just may not get the time and the team they need to develop, but it's hard to look at any of them and say, look, you've got no chance or you've got a better chance than the other one. Uh, they've all come in, they've all impressed in their different ways, and they all really do have a chance to, to to establish themselves as an Arsenal player. It's now about finding the consistency. It's about finding the uh, the maturity that you need as a as a player uh, to, to perform on a consistent basis. You know, they're going to fluctuate. Their form is going to fluctuate a bit. But look, you can't really pick out one over any of the others. I suppose if I had to, it would probably be... Rob Holding just because you can see how over the next couple of seasons we're going to need to make something of a progression from the central defenders that we have. You know, Koscielny, I know, has signed a new contract and Mertesacker staying for another year. But, you know, these are guys who are getting into their 30s. And we are going to have to bring through the next generation. And, uh, you know, who knows, Mustafi at 24, Gabriel at 25, 26, Rob Holding, Callum Chambers doing very well at, at Borough this season as well, uh, although he's picked up a bit of an injury. You know, they're... There's so much talent there. It's it's really it's really fantastic, you know. Um, yeah. So I I don't know who is going to be the the standout performer. It could depend on circumstance and everything else. But it's re- I find it really exciting to see these young guys come through. Yeah, I do too. And when you think about you know other players who've come through in recent years, Hector Bellerin, Alex Awobi, yeah, even Francis Coquelin, albeit slightly later, it's pretty impressive to still be doing that at an elite level club, a Champions League club, with the money that we've got at our disposal. That guys are still breaking through from the academy. I think is a credit to the academy and a credit to Arsene Wenger as well. Mm. Um, and I think you know when you try and figure out who's going to make it out of this this little clutch of players. The, the thing that defines it really often is opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's it's where does that opportunity come up? And sometimes that's somebody else's misfortune. You know, there's an injury or uh, a space is created and the player steps in and seizes that chance. Mm. Um, 
it's obviously impossible to predict how that's going to play out. I think Holding's a great shout. For, for the sake of difference, I'm going to say the Jeff himself because yeah. I just think technically he is absolutely superb and he's, he's such a classic Wenger player in some respects. I mean, you mentioned Vieira. It's not quite as flattering a comparison, but... There were times he reminded me of um, Abu Dhabi at yeah. his best, the way he, he moved away from place. I guess a similar thing, you know, that, that ability to dribble in type spaces and uh, transition from one end of the field to the other. I just, you know, I can see why Arsene Wenger is enamoured uh, with Jeff and I think he's got every chance. But very, very exciting to have them all on the books. Yeah, absolutely. There is something about the way that Jeff plays that's that's really interesting. He's got that... <sighs> He just has that awareness at a really young age that mm. that's that's not it's not learned. It's inherent. It's sort of built in, you know. Um, as yeah. players get older and they get more experienced, you can see how they view the game a little bit differently. But a bit like again, without wanting to overegg the pudding, the way Fabregas was able to see space. Uh, from like 16, from the time he first came into the team, you're going, well, that's that's remarkable. And it's not like that was something that was coached into him. He just has this natural ability. And it does seem to me like the Jeff has got quite a bit of that as well. So yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Alex Awobi when he broke through. What a show of trust it was from Arsene Wenger to play him as the number 10 in the senior side. He's he's just done that with the Jeff. And mm. I think that, that tells you everything you need to know. Really. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one is from Clive at Clive PAFC. And Clive wants to know, has the Ox just got himself a new contract? His versatility and physical attributes surely impossible to ignore. And of course, like Mesut Ozil, like uh, Alexis Sanchez, like Jack Wilshire, uh, heading towards the final year of his contract. So will this go some way to, to uh, copper fastening what the manager has in mind? I think it will certainly help. I think... I, I don't know what Oxlade Chamberlain himself makes of the situation. You know, I think back to that Girls on Sunday interview he did uh, last year mm. and how um, frustrated he sounded, really, at a relative lack of opportunities. This season, he started 14 games and come on as a substitute in 14 more, uh, which is pretty decent, really. I mean, that's, you know, he's been heavily involved mm. and there was a time, I think back in sort of November, December, where it looked like he'd sort of cemented a place on that left wing. Um, I think there'll be an offer made to him. I think there will be an offer made to him because he's an English player. He's very versatile. The club's invested a lot of time, a lot of money in him yeah. uh, with the transfer fee. Uh, I think the decision he'll have to make is, you know, whether he, whether he's, whether he feels he needs to go somewhere else in order to start every single game uh, yeah. and whether he backs himself to do that at Arsenal or not. I mean, there is enormous competition. That is kind of the other side of of, of this depth we have now. Yeah. This huge competition. And, and he might see this summer coming up as a chance to move, you know, to a, another good club where he's maybe more valued. Yeah, know. but I mean, is he going to go to a Manchester City or a Chelsea or Manchester United or, you know, someone like Liverpool? Possibly. But I mean, if that's the case, if those clubs are interested in him, does it not say that, you know, he's a guy that we should be tying down? I mean, people overlook it. He's, he, he feels like he's older than he is because he's been around from such a young age, mm. but he's only 23. 
He's only yeah. 23 years of age and still developing a, as a footballer. He's had his injury problems and Arsene Wenger spoke about those uh, earlier in the season where he said the biggest problem that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has had in his career has been the injuries, all the injuries. So that's the that's the issue that he has. And this season, thankfully, he's had a, a fairly injury-free uh, run of things, uh, touch wood. So, uh, and I think you can see from the end product in the game, in the numbers, uh, that, that he has made a, a step forward this season. Um, so I would be very surprised if the club didn't at this point uh, uh, make sure that he, he stayed and offered him new terms. And if he wants to go somewhere else, well, th- there's not a lot we can do other than try and convince him. But, you know, I think, I think the best thing for him at this point will be to stay, sign a new deal. And if it's not... If it's not a case that he's happy in a season or two seasons' time, then, you know, let's call it quits and go our separate ways then. Yeah, I think the point about the injuries is a really good one. You know, we talked about Danny Welbeck and that amazing capacity he seems to have to kind of hit the ground running. But Arsene Wenger spoke about that and said, you know, that's not the case for every player. And he Mm. didn't go as far as to mention players. But you feel like Oxlade-Chamberlain might be one of those. Someone who you know, was inter- his momentum and development was really interrupted by those injuries and at a young age too. Mm. And I think staying fit's been a huge, huge boost for him. And in fact, looking back at those quotes where Arsene Wenger was talking about his versatility and his comparisons with Steven Gerrard, he said, players don't even tend to find their best position until they're 24. Oxlade-Chamberlain is still 23. So mm. there's still so much to come from him. I would like to see him stay. I would like to see him stay. I just sometimes sense a little bit of frustration from him about this and you'd want that about his uh, about how much playing time he, he gets or mm. when he comes off the fit, field or whatever so I don't think it's nailed on that he'll sign that contract if he gets a good offer from elsewhere but I, I think the club will try and keep him and I, I would like to see him stay yeah, yeah. okay cool uh, have you got one more? Uh, I do it's from Raj Sapidin and Raj asks if you received $10,000 for every live bee you ate, <laughs> how how many would you be willing to eat? Um, like, so you've got to take a bee, and this is going like going back to your aunt uh, eating bee cake again. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've told the story before. I once nearly ate a bee, but it, it sort of it, it stuck its stinger in my lip, and it, you know, I was all like. <laughs> Um, because it got all swollen. So $10,000 for every... I mean, can you swallow them whole or do you have to crunch them? If you swallow them whole, they stay alive inside you. That seems to be laced with risks. I mean, it's cruel on the bees, I would say. Yeah. So you've got to weigh that up. Are they free-range bees? Are they organic bees? Free-range organic organic bees. bees. They're not like battery battery, uh, chicken bees, no? No, no, no. They're they're organic bees. These are high-quality bees. Juicy bees. Juicy bees. Mm. I mm. would I would eat one bee. I'd eat one bee. Because bees are going extinct. Yeah. I'd take my ten thousand dollars and I'd uh I'd then with the invest the, in these hologram projectors for your car. <laughs> or a beehive. I'd I'd become a what what do you call a beekeeper? What's the uh, fancy word for a beekeeper? Oh, I don't know actually. Uh it it is a lovely word. Yeah. Um an oh, apiarist um, is what it is. An apiarist. Yeah. Yes. Not a monk. Doesn't look after monkeys. An apiarist, which is confusing. No. Um, but <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> I. Uh, well, well, you'd eat one bee. I'd eat one bee, and then I'd invest. Would in you some give me half the money? For what? Did you? Did you catch the bee? 
Uh, I arranged this opportunity. All right. I give you 20%. How about that? Great. That means I don't have to eat any bees and I can still profit from the situation. Mm. You've got to hold my sick, though, when I, you know, I think that would... I think sick's going to be the least of your worries if you've eaten a bee. Yeah, probably wouldn't be the most pleasant thing. But I'd still eat one for $10,000. $10, After that, I would feel bad about just eating bees. That would be wrong. You know, we need bees. I feel bad about that. Yeah, I like bees. I think bees, are, as far as animals that can sting you go, I would say that bees are the cutest. They're the best. They're the best ones. The rest of them, scorpions, wasps, hornets, no thanks. Aren't, they can all fuck off, honestly. Yeah. But bees, bees seem like sort of lovably clumsy. I like a bee. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we need honey. The world needs honey and flowers Honey's delicious. need to be pollinated. And uh, what you should do, because there is like a real problem with bees, seriously, like they're going extinct all over the place. You should, if you have a garden, plant some flowers uh, that attract bees because the world needs more bees. So it's incumbent on all of us to help save the bees after I've eaten one for $10,000. Yeah, <laughs> let one die so we can get $10,000, but the rest exactly. must thrive. It's like awareness. Okay, I've got one final question. This one comes Go from on. Vroom Fondel who is on Twitter, mm. at I am Vroom Fondel. And he nice. wants to know, what names would you add to make all our players double-barreled? Because, of course, we had Maitland-Niles, Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Rena Adelaide as our central midfield players. So he, is, he has uh, suggested Welbeck-Saxa, which I assume is a reference to his... Uh, to the salt. Saxa, of course, is mm. the salt brand, and Welbeck did the, the old salt guy. Um when he was uh, celebrating his goal. So who would, who would yes. you do? Who would I do? Uh, Ooh. What have we got? Oh, holding would be a good one. Mm. Because, uh, you know, it will sound funny. So, like, you know, holding McGroin or whatever. Um, <laughs> Rob holding McGroin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be good. There are obvious, so like, uh, Petr checkmate. To have to... Checkmate. Nice, yeah. Um... Uh, Mustafi, maybe Mustafi. Like, wasn't there the old, um, the old cartoon? It could have been the Dandy or the Beano, and there was a guy called Mustafa Million. He was a yeah, yeah. exactly. So Mustafi, I feel like there's yeah, potential like there. Yeah, there's potential there. Um, I'm pretty. I don't know if I'm gonna. I mean, I'd love to see a treble barreled name. That can't be far away. There's so many double barreled names in football now that surely the treble is incoming. Ainsley, I mean, I Maitland, Fraser, Niles. Exactly. Like when Ainsley, Maitland, Niles marries uh, Jeff Ren Adelaide's sister and they have a child, <laughs> will that child be called, you know, John, Ain, uh, Maitland, Niles, Ren Adelaide? I, 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 you're asking the wrong guy here. I, I don't know what the conventions are there. I don't know what the convention is either, but imagine how good a footballer they'd be. Danny Well, Beck and Cole. Nice. I nice. Like Hector Bellerin uh, and out. <laughs> uh, per. What about. Uh, go on. Oh, go on, Per. Go on. Per Mertesacker Kastenacker. That's great. Even the drill is agreeing uh, with me there. Yeah, the drill agrees. What about Aaron Ram See No Evil Hear No Evil? <laughs> <laughs> Santi Kazor La La Land. L very good. Went to see that last night. Oh, yeah. Was it any good? Uh, yeah, it's a bit weird. It's yeah. all right. It's all right. I wouldn't go further than that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
um, Alexis Ray de los Perros Sanchez. So King lovely. of the Dogs. King of the Dogs, yes. Um, the drill is, I mean, the drill's really enjoying these. Yeah. I'm a bit worried about the drill. It feels like it's about to enter the room, to it's, be honest. It's, it's getting closer, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a mole. It's a very aggressive mole that I owe money, and it's come <laughs> to claim it. Uh, anyway, yes, I Delbar surnames, all very, very exciting seeing three Delbar surnames in one midfield, wasn't it? Yeah. The shirt printing guys must have been rubbing their hands together. Absolutely. But Niles has just got Niles on the back, hasn't he? Disappointing. Mm, yeah. That is disappointing. Oh, well. Oh, well. Does Jeff oh, just well. have the Jeff on his back? If or he doesn't, he, he obviously should. Does he have Adelaide or Rena? I didn't know. Uh, I don't know. I think he says, has, I don't know, guys. Mm. I know you're a singular. I don't know why I called you guys. I don't, there's not a third person in the podcast who I've just suddenly introduced. Um, don't know what he's got. He should just have Jeff, shouldn't he? He should if, just if have Jeff. Bloody Delhi Alley can just have Delhi, which, which always I find bizarre. Yeah. Then, then Jeff can have Jeff. He has Adelaide on the back. Adelaide. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Mm. No, thank you. Yeah. I prefer it to be Jeff. I think, given all the problems that this world is facing at this moment in time, this is where we need to pour all our energies into. Not Adelaide. Fully agree. Jeff. We must have more Fully Jeff. Agree. Yes, please. More Jeff. Okay. All right. Well, look, um, that seems like a reasonable place to leave it. Um, thank you to everybody, as ever, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we're back uh, next Monday. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, after oh, after God. the big one. After the big one. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting times next Monday. Yes, indeed. Can I recommend, uh, just while we're here and while everybody's listening, uh, if you could perhaps get yourself caught in a ta- uh, traffic jam in a taxi for the first 40 minutes of, of the game on Sunday, sure. I think that would, that, would be, that would be good for everyone. Good for the team. Okay. Good, good for our Premier League title hopes, so please arrange that, if you wouldn't mind. Will do. I'll, I'll do my best. And any accident that could befall me between now and then, mm. you know, I'll, 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 I'll take less care. I'll walk under ladders. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, look, thanks as ever for listening. We'll have an Arscast on Friday previewing the Chelsea game, looking back on the Watford game, uh, which takes place tomorrow night. Uh, but until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs>